Hey, it's uh, 2024, starting a new year with one of my favorite people, one of the smartest folks I know. He's got the most awesome beard in all of cyber. Chris, <laughs> Stefan, Chris, would you give us a little bit of background on who you are and uh, why we should care what you've got to say? Yeah, well, Happy New Year to you. Uh, I don't know how much you need to care about what I have to say, but uh, others do, seemingly. I am the VP of Research for EMA. Uh, been doing cybersecurity for a long, long time. Uh, really have had every kind of role in cybersecurity, but also as an executive, uh, former CIO, been a principal architect, been, I mean, I've been and done all that stuff. As an analyst, I love it. I cover um, all the different compliance-related things, a lot of stuff in data security, but I also am the co-chair of the Zero Trust Working Group for the Cloud Security Alliance. So I get my fingers dipped there. You and I obviously work together there from time to time. It's been a lot of fun. And you and I have been working together for, Oh my goodness! Way back since like my Crip Zone days, so yeah. <laughs> uh, we we we've been around the block together for a long time. So I mean, again, a lot of mutual respect there, a lot of stuff going on in the industry, and it's great to uh, be able to talk to you about some of the stuff going on. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I always value getting insight from people that actually have done the work and have had their hands on the keyboard. I I think the first thing that um, I want to put the I guess the dagger in this conversation. I, I think twenty twenty four is a good time to do it. Like. Let's just get the real juice on what this whole AI thing is. Is 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 what's being marketed to people as artificial intelligence, artificial intelligence or not? No, the, I mean the answer is no, right? I, I mean, so so much marketing misinformation out there, and there, there's never going to be any question that the marketers are going to want to cling on to whatever the the word du jour is, right? And so you have probably 98% of what you hear about from an AI perspective is nothing more than, you know, a couple of complex algorithms or maybe not even complex algorithms, throwing some things together with some machine learning, with some, you know, some basically push down intelligence and, and try to take in and, and do something with it. It isn't any more complicated than we were what we were doing many, many years ago. You're, you're talking to an original firewall monkey, right? A guy who used to sit there and parse stupid firewall logs all day because you had to. Well, thank goodness that job is pretty much gone. I mean, that there has been AI machine learning that has taken over that job. That AI, that machine learning is, you know, again, it's been around for decades at least now at this point. And that isn't significantly different to what's going on. Now, is that the large language models that we're taking using, are they writing pretty papers? Sure, that's great. And I, and I appreciate some of the stuff that they're doing, but is that going to take over the world? It is not. And is it, are we at the beginning of understanding as AI, what AI could potentially do? We are. And so those people that think that Terminator is coming out to get them, the Terminator is not coming out to get you, I promise. Will Terminator come out to get you eventually? That's a different story. We can talk about all that later. Um, but I, not, not while I'm in this career, do I think that Terminator is coming out to get you? Do you, I mean, do you think that there's the possibility that these sort of weaponizing this, this, uh, this large language modeling and ML as kind of, a, an adversary's AI, I mean, is that something people should be concerned about? Like for me, I'm concerned about it from the perspective of the elections that are upcoming and the fact that people are fucking morons and that they'll buy stuff that's shoved down their throat. Um, but I mean, I, I'm concerned about that too. Right. I mean, I, I'm concerned about, you know, we, I, I don't want to get into a whole conversation about security awareness training and the possibility about that kind of stuff. If you take anything away from this podcast is be more aware, 
right? Just just understand what's going on in general with AI and how it directly applies to you. You're no longer going to get Prince of Nigeria emails that are written in unbelievably broken English that doesn't make any sense and you immediately you know, call it a scam. Now you have an LLM that's actually going to write that email for you. And it, it might actually sound like marginally human. So is that a change? Yes, that is a shift. Is it a shift that's going to defeat the entire universe? I hope not, right? I mean, I, I really do hope not. One of the other ones that that is particularly interesting to me is taking and doing the processing. Again, not really AI. It's it's actually taking and using it to process. You and I both have hundreds, if not thousands of hours of, of audio out there in the world and taking and having that audio make a representation of my voice to take and shill car batteries or whatever is distinctly possible in the grand scheme of things. I don't think anybody's going to do that. Heaven forbid if you do do that. But the reality of it is, is that that isn't really AI either. That's basically taking the sampling of all of the language that is out there, all the video, the audio samples that are out there and combining them in a way that you can take and do that. I, I can tell you Hollywood's been doing that for decades, if not you know, since like the beginning of dirt, when you have sound editors and so on and so forth. So the AI term, yes, of course I'm concerned about it, but am I concerned about it enough that I'm not going to do podcasts anymore? Of course not. We're here doing one, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I, I hope if somebody does take my image and my voice and starts hawking, whatever, that it's at least something that I think is cool. Like, I, I hope it's not something that is just yeah, absolute yeah. crap. Well, no, I mean, I, you know, as long as I get a cut, I, you know, yeah, if you right. want to take so, and use my voice, knock yourselves out, right? I mean, just give me give my me royalty call. check. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good with that. Yeah, if it's like uh, uh, sex wax for cyber or something, I guess. Yeah, there, <laughs> yeah there, there you go, right? Yeah, I mean, I, you're, you're going to, and, and and again, you, you, you the whole conversation with the, the, the screen actors and all those guys, they were worried about AI too. That stuff, again, that stuff has been done for years and years and years on end. And it's going to continue to be that way. People have been taking using voices. People have been using ideas. The Mickey Mouse copyright ended the other day. Um, people have been taking and using those images. You're talking about animation, so maybe it's a little easier, so on and so forth. But then you look at Star Wars from a few years ago, and they had completely AI actors. And so who owns the copyright for Jar Jar Binks image, right? Or Grand Moff Tarkin or... You know, Princess Leia, you know, I, I, you you look at those things and are, are they real? Sure. But I mean, I just got done watching Lord of the Rings again. And look at how much of that is all AI generated or, or model generated or computer generated. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, long story short, I'm not worried about that taking over the world. I am worried about, as you mentioned, some of the things that it comes to elections when you hear you know, your neighbors baking, saying that I got a phone call from the president saying, blah, 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 blah. It wasn't the president. I promise. He doesn't have that kind of time. I, I mean, I'm not even going to get into the politics of it. The president did not call your house asking for your vote. Uh, yeah. A tape recorder might have called you, but the the president did not. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, the, the, what everyone's worried about artificial intelligence, uh, natural stupidity is still a real concern. I mean, well, we're, we're always in, 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 in inventing more stupid people, right? So, I mean, yeah. that, that's just how it is. You, you can't only protect yourself from stupid so much. But I, I think that it's worth also, like, pointing out to for the folks that do listen to this, like, there are valid uses for these LLMs and these types of solutions on the good guy side. Like, this is, there's so much uh, doom and gloom going out there about the end of days and the Terminator stuff and the blah, 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 whatever. But, like, let's be real. There are very, very valid, very good use cases for this in cyber and healthcare and all kinds of spaces. So it's, 
I mean, it is a coming, I think, technical cultural revolution as well. I agree. I I, I actually was chatting with a vendor um, just, just before the holidays. They have a really interesting thing where they're taking their dashboards and they're using an LLM to make the geek dashboard over here and the nerd, the pointy hair boss executive dashboard over here. You're taking a CVE, which we both know in, on the best days is geek speak writ large. They're distilling it from something that the geese can understand that's actionable, but then they're distilling it into a report that the executives can understand. And so you are empowering the security team in a way that they've never been empowered before to communicate at a level and in a way that hasn't really been their forte and, and being able to gain visibility into their priorities. Using it for that is fantastic. And if that's all we're using it for, we've we've succeeded, right? I mean, that is a huge deal. Do I think that you're going to see more and more of that? I hope so, because I, I really do see some benefits in doing that kind of stuff. I'm not really terribly worried about somebody taking, you know, the sucks next virus, dumping it into, you know, chat GPT and writing the next big virus. I, I, I Is it possible? I guess anything is hypothetically possible. I'm just not worried about that in the grand scheme. Yeah, I mean, and the and the things that are going to keep me up at night—that's not even on the list. I, yeah. I I think what I I would really love to see an application, and I think I read a couple papers that came out of uh, uh, Stanford and Caltech recently on that they were starting to take LLMs and apply it to uh, the tax code, and I think that could be earth shattering. That could be amazing, right? I mean, that could be just mind-boggling. Actually, like, trying whoa. to understand the freaking tax code. I mean, yeah. where do I sign up for that? Yeah, I mean, that's we, awesome. yeah, we, we cracked the tax code, and oh, by the way, we've saved the United States government—you know, a billion dollars here and a billion dollars there. And oh, by the way, it's actually you know accurate based on a whole bunch of factors. That could be super cool. That would be awesome. The the other thing that that's interesting to me too that I'm doing research on is the impact of privacy and regulations that come around AI. When when you dump something, and, and we're going to be talking about this this year. I'm not telling anybody anything they don't know. When you dump something up to ChatGPT, who owns it? And you know, are, are you taking and helping you um, the bad guys with data exfiltration, dumping up something up to ChatGPT and expecting an output? Now, who owns that? Who has access to it? Are you basically releasing your intellectual property to the world? And And the answer is, I don't know. And, and quite frankly, nobody really knows yet. You're starting to see regulations come about. I am a believer that I would love that this industry kind of self-regulate. I really think the government's going to come and release their series of regulations that are going to be really short-sighted and dumb like they usually are. And so I really hope that these organizations see the light and see that they need to take and provide some kind of regulation when it's all said and done, self-regulate. And, and help companies understand how to regulate that that kind of activity as well. I mean, but does uh, I mean my personal feeling is is like privacy is such a uh, almost a just lost thing in the digital space. Doesn't is it even worse now, or is it still is privacy still even possible in the digital landscape today? Well, I, yeah, I mean that that's a great question, and and I I don't have that answer either. Do I think that? It, I can tell you that 10, 15 years ago, you couldn't find a mention of the security beard anywhere on the world. Now you can't, it, it was really interesting using one of the AI sources. So I, I basically typed in, generate a picture of Chris Stefan, and it came out with a picture with me with this huge beard and everything else. I was, I was really kind of impressed. So wow. AI knows that I'm out there or whatever is deemed AI knows that I'm out there. Am I a private person? I am not. 
Do I think that most people generally are a private person? I do. And I don't think that you're all your, you know, warts and all are going to be exposed out in the internet anytime soon. But the, these kind of tools that are out there that are very public related tools aren't helping the process either. And so again, if you don't want that kind of data exposed to the public, make certain that you tell those that have access to that data, the importance of not exposing it to the public. You're taking in and having a whole battery of controls around privacy is probably not going to be effective anyway. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have a policy and so on and so forth, but educating your teams as to what, what that's going to look like and it, it, uh, making them understand why. It isn't, you know, mother may I do this and so on and so forth. It's, this is our bread and butter. When you give this out to the world, you put us at a disadvantage and put your paycheck at a disadvantage. This is why it's a bad thing for you. And, mm -hmm. and relating it that way, we, we, we talked about security awareness a minute ago. Taking and talking about corporate security awareness is worthless if you can't relate it back to the person. I think we all generally need to be more secure. And if you have a security program that talks about privacy, that talks about data security, and relates it to the person, to the individual, your company is going to have a security-minded culture. And then so you win that battle. It's when you talk about your acceptable use policy and you know, the draconian punishments for X, Y, and Z. You know, who gives a damn about any of that? When you relate it to your home router and why you should protect your credit card information and blah, 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 that's when it starts to get interesting. Yeah, well, and if, uh, you know, folks like Comcast and some of these others could keep uh, away from the, you know, follow-on, what is it, 36 million people's information breached? Uh, I mean, I, the privacy stuff, Every like... Day. Yeah, that's why it's just like I I honestly am uh, people ask me all the time. I'm like, look, man, I'm not even concerned about that type of stuff anymore. I don't even want a breach notification because it's already the happen and it's the same data 50 times over. It is. Yep. It is like, it, over and over and over again. I mean, do people have my email? I, my email has been breached so many absolutely. times. I mean, I, it, it's free. Go ahead. You can find it. I mean, it's, it's way out there. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm all over the Internet. My email has been breached. Chase, I don't know. I bet you, I, I bet you it's been two, 300 times, I mean, I, you know, without, without exaggeration. And I, I just don't care. I mean, what, what are you going to do about it? Right. I, I don't lose sleep over it. That's for sure. No, I mean, the, 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 the one thing I tell people too, is like the stuff that's actually super important to me is the only things that I keep up in the only vault that I know that I yep. can manage, which yep. is my brain. Me too. Other than that, I just give it up. Like it's gone. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, I totally agree. hundred percent. Yeah. So let's talk ZT because I mean you you you're on the ZT working group and you're uh, you've done a bunch of stuff there. Like, what's your perspective on where ZT is in 2024? Yeah. I again, one of the things that I am particularly interested in, and I, I've mentioned with you, heck, we've talked about it for forever. I, I'd love to see people really have a a realistic understanding of what zero trust means to their organization. And to quote our good friend Mr. Kindervog. It doesn't have to be so complicated. Keep it simple, stupid, right? And and understand that starting is at least as important as all the other bells and whistles that comes with it. Every incremental step in security that you can make is better than where you were yesterday. Um, I think that you're going to finally see a lot of companies adopt a zero trust. I think you're, you're looking at companies moving away from a... Um, you know, least privileged idea or going to going to more of a, a risk based approach to security. I think that it directly dovetails with with zero trust. Um, I think that people sometimes view it as, again, a marketing term. I don't really feel it's that way. It's a philosophy. It's an idea that can be directly applied to companies from one to one million. 
and just figuring it out your niche, it isn't 5,000 steps. It might be 30 steps and it's a constant way of improving. And so I think 2024 is just yet another example where we're going to finally take some of this groundswell and really start making some progress, not only from understanding how it applies to organizations specifically, but really understanding it from a business process and understanding the benefits to a business. Those are things that that I talk about all the time. People are like, well, I need to know about network topologies. And but yeah, fine. There's a lot of books out there. Go read those. That's great. Let's talk about how you find champions in your organization to make this stuff work. So with uh, the working group um, published a certification in uh, December, November's timeframe, like for, for people to understand what's the the value and what are the requirements around that certification? Like, why should anyone care about getting a ZT cert from Cloud Security Alliance? Yeah, and, and both you and I got it, right? Um, grandfathered in or however you want to call it. But um, the, the reason that I see value from, from my perspective is that when you're talking with business leaders, when you're talking with vendors like I do and you do all the time, it shows that, you know, this isn't just a passing fancy. This is something that we actually really understand and can really talk about the business value. Again, I'm not dissing on the technical side. There, There is absolutely, obviously, a technical aspect to it. The side that actually has the hardest time being reconciled in a business is the business value, understanding why the CFO cares about zero trust. And so when I look at those letters behind my name, and I got just as many as you do, um, I, I don't. I'm very picky about which ones I include, but when I got that cert, I included that one as well, very simply so that when we're talking about zero trust, that people can have some amount of assurity, some level of comfort that this big guy with a beard actually knows how to spell zero trust when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it was good. Like I've I've been kind of a certification hater for a while, but I think that yep. this one from CSA was was solid because I mean I saw and you and I saw all the work that went into the back end yep. of it. It wasn't something that was just created to jump on to the the hype. Uh, I don't. I, I didn't ever get that feeling. Otherwise, I would have no. been involved with it. No, I, I didn't either. Right. I, and and you and I both. I, I think that we had some of the same concerns. I, I don't want. I, I don't need letters behind my name anymore. I promise. Okay. Uh, I've been a CISSV for twenty some years. I've been a CISA for about that long as well. I I, I was a CNA from the three one X days. I mean. You go through the whole list of certs that I've had. I'm, I'm, I'm over all that to begin with. This one, being part of the process that was developing the cert, being part of promoting the cert in general, I think it's really important that people, if for no other reason, get rid of some of the misinformation about zero trust. And talking with somebody that has this cert, the, the last, the, the, if you get only one thing from those people, they will give you an idea of what zero trust really is and how it can apply to your organization. I, maybe that's in rarefied error. I know that it was certainly a year or two ago um, since we've been working on this, but I'm finding out more and more that people are starting to gronk what it actually means. And talking to somebody with that kind of certification will only help strengthen what you believe that certification means to you. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 needed. It's I think, uh, you know, there's been some kind of watershed moments that have happened in the evolution of ZT. But when we had the CSA come and say, look, here's a cert. It was created by a working group of people that actually do the work and put this stuff together and whatever. Like, I think it was a really good final kind of nail in the coffin about is this a real thing? I um, totally agree. You know what I mean? It just it, it gave it gave me a little bit more hope that, OK, not just talk and hype, whatever, but the industry itself has said there's enough merit to do a cert around this. Yep. 
I totally agree. And I, I think that you're going to start seeing components end up in, in other certs too. I, I mean, there hasn't been anything from like um, ISACA or ISC2 yet, but I, I know talking with people there, I know that they're talking about how, you know, some of those questions integrate. I, I actually set your way back machine a decade or so. I actually was writing questions for the CISSP exam. And if you're one of those people writing a couple questions about ZT is totally appropriate. Um, I hope that you you are seeing more of those kind of things because I think it is relevant. Yeah, and I mean that's that's the good thing too about a cert that's open to the community is like if you think you've got a better mousetrap, send something in. Like there's those of us on the working group that if it makes sense, we'll <laughs> run up the flagpole. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, at any given time, if you're interested in zero trust, e even from a hundred thousand foot view, if you're a business leader or uh, you know a tinfoil hat type and you want to understand more about zero trust come to our meetings i mean every single day arguably there is a zero trust meeting held by the csa um on on some topic or another um i uh, am one of the co-chairs for one of the working the sub working groups on uh strategy and implementation obviously um we meet you know, every other week, it's fantastic, the, the group that we have there. There's ones on networking, there's ones on data, there's ones on apps, there's one on um, infrastructure, IoT, you, you name it. If you have a specialty, we have a meeting for you. There you go, there's my plug, right? But um, the, the meetings at large are worth attending too. And at those meetings, you can gain access to, you know, not only the, the experts that are in the field doing this stuff, but then a lot of the resources that were not only looking at, but also creating at the same time. So I, I highly recommend it, not trying to necessarily always plug the CSA, but this is one of those cases where, again, they're doing a lot of really, really good work. They're not really getting anything out of it. I don't get any money from the CSA to plug them. Um, and it's it's great to be able to participate with them because our sole goal is to try to push better security forward for everybody. Yeah, CSA, we're, they're not even giving out swag. I didn't get a free sticker, so. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Swag is always the bar. Uh, all right, and I, 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 Chris knows so much. Like I could go down a whole bunch of rabbit holes, but the, the, I like to keep this to the, what I call the toilet time stuff, right? So thirty minutes or less is it's a good sit on the toilet, but you know people do typically run that long. Uh, the next one I wanted to kind of ask was your perspective on kind of how we fix what's I think is fundamentally wrong in the cybersecurity industry is the fact that you've got big giant players that have got 500 sales engineers that can push their product out. And then we've got all these startups coming in that are trying to get their product in front of people and they usually can't. I, I think that uh, at the core level, there's an issue where you should be able to have people get in your product and try it out and you should be able to scale. And I think we've approached the problem wrong for so long. It's been a manual process and it just hasn't worked and hasn't scaled. Is that, way off in your experience it 100 percent. no you are 100 percent correct in fact i um you know so i i've been an analyst for four or five years now at this point um i had worked for a lot of the small companies so on and so forth. i also worked for google i worked for hewlett packard so i mean i definitely had those experiences as well um i know the struggles of of taking and being able to get the attention of some of the analyst firms and and really of customers just in general if you don't have the right rubber stamp I'm over it. I mean, as an analyst, I have always concentrated on, I, I don't need the big money marketers to come and tell me what's the next great thing. And and I do. I mean, again, I, you, you got to hear what's going on, but I am way more interested in the innovators, those small companies that are doing 
the best work. Those are the companies that are going to get bought by the big companies eventually anyway. But I really like to understand what they have going on, what they're doing, how that process is going to improve security. Is it vaporware? Is it aspirational? Or are do they doing things that are are actually solving problems? So many of those smaller companies that are out there have such awesome ideas and great products that unfortunately either the industry isn't ready for or they need, never see the light of day because like you mentioned, they don't have a sales force of 500 beating down doors every single day. They're not a, a fortune 50 company and can't get that kind of attention. It doesn't change the fact that they are absolutely awesome companies to be paying attention to. So I think if there's a way for companies to get their attention and get people to independently look at their products, get it you know, accredited or certified, or even, even simple ways of getting it more promoted or whatever have you. That's the way to go. Anytime that you can take and get in front of a customer and get that out there by word of mouth, again, please do so. But uh, again, selfless plug, if you have one of those products and you're looking for an analyst to talk a little bit about it, give me a call. I'm always happy to take and look at that stuff too. I, I don't I don't discriminate against the little guys. In fact, I love the little guys, right? I love taking and looking at what you're doing and understanding what's going on. Because again, the innovation is there and taking and having a way for a smaller company to have some confidence going into a sales cycle saying, we do what we say we're going to do. We do it well. And we were so confident in, in that here is a demo that you can take and, and do whatever you're going to do with yourself and have at it. And and we, we know that it works. We're confident in that. The other key of that is, understanding how that product is going to be supported. One of the problems that a lot of these products have when it's all said and done, you can have great ideas, but if the support is not there, especially given the talent gap, if the support is not there, then it doesn't matter how great your product is because the end user can't really use it. So taking and having that ability to go out there and, and display your product with confidence, I think is a key for some of these smaller companies. Yeah, well, uh, what's your perspective on the the free trial stuff? Because for me, like I I test and play with software all the time. I, I I think there's a big problem, honestly, with the fact that a lot of these small vendors, especially, are pushing out a free trial thing. Because number one, I've got to figure out how to configure their stuff to run, which is usually going to mean more back and forth, and it's got to be put together. And then the other side is, if it's a free trial. You're kind of keeping me in, uh, if I was to test drive a car, you're putting me on a circle track. And that's not realistic for the way that I want to use the actual software. So like is, is in your opinion, is there a, is it a, an actual full on deep roll demo better than some full sort of trial instance that's more contained? Yeah, I, I don't really want a trial, right? I, I mean, and, and more to the point, kind of like I was just referring to, I when when I want to try your product, I need to try all of the product, right? I need to try the implementation. I need to try it in my environment. I need to try it with my hypotheticals, but then I also need to try it with your support. If your support is not there to help me get there or, or, or a walkthrough run book, whatever it's going to be to get that product up and running and functioning and managing and so on and so forth, then it doesn't matter to me, right? Because if I can't realistically see how the product is going to work in reality, and reality includes the support side, if I can't see that product working in reality, then, then it's a, you know, it's a, it's pretend. I mean, it's, it's hypothetical and it, I'm not, I'm not dissing on a piece of software, but if I can't realistically try that piece of software in my real world environments, 
and with real world support with my real world people, then you're asking me to invest my time and energy on something that is, you know, testing out your vaporware. I, I, sorry, I can't do that. I can't do that from an executive perspective. I can't do it from a tinfoil hat, you know, a worker perspective. And I really, really dislike it from an analyst perspective, because again, I understand that you have all these possibilities, but if, if it's possibilities without support, without a run book, without me being able to use it in a way that is going to be meaningful to my business or my enterprise, then I'm really just not that interested. And when you put your CIO hat on, if you were someone that I was trying to sell a piece of software to, if I sent you uh, a trial and said, here it is, it does amazing things, but you've got to make it work. Or I said, here's everything pre-configured, ready to go, click and play. Like, which one of those is going to be the one you're going to yeah, go, yeah. It, it, it's I a no-brainer, right? I mean, so if I have the ability to take and pop into something integrate it with what I'm already doing and understand how it's going to work. That's great. Uh, we talked about certifications before. If I came back and, and I, again, I've been a CISSP for a long, long time, 20 some years or something. And that really, it's, I think my book is actually in the background. Um, that That's actually one of those things that really does make a difference when you're talking to people because they say, look, this guy is certified. He's accredited. He knows what he's talking about. And so on my signature for my emails and business cards and all that crap, I include my CISSP. It's understood. If I can take an application and said, yay, Varley, this has been accredited by Bob's House of Widgets as being a really, really strong thing doing X, Y, and Z, and I can immediately take and go to a customer and say that, then that's more credibility right out the door. I still need to understand how it works. I still need to understand how it relates to my environment and what's the support like and what's the, the level of manpower, so on and so forth. But if you just hand me a piece of software, you know, a, a, an AWS instance and say, go give it a shot, that's great, thanks. But I don't have time to go try the 400 different XDR solutions that are available in, 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 on AWS. And I, I'm not really exaggerating that number. I think there's probably, you know, well north of 100. And I've played with a ton of them. I haven't played with all of them because I just don't have that kind of time. If somebody comes to me and says, here's an example, here's all the things that you can do. Here's a run book that you can take and walk it through. And we'll give you support time to make certain that if you have any questions on how it relates to your environment, how it integrates with, you know, because nobody's doing this in a greenfield either. That's the other kicker. How it integrates with your Splunk instance or HubSpot or, you know, Aruba Firewalls or whatever you, you have. That's very, very interesting to me as a CIO. Yeah, I mean, it just it, it's it's getting it in people's hands as fast as possible, and as often as possible. It's kind of like the difference of if somebody said, hey, I want to buy a Corvette and you go to the Chevy dealership and they said, you can buy the Corvette. We've got it here. However, you got to install the transmission before you can take it for a test drive. Like, yeah, no, thanks. Like, right. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so like l wrapping up, like I always like to ask people that know what they're talking about, like what is something that you would tell people not to do, especially in, you know, a new year? Like if you were to say one thing to take away, don't do this. Like what would be your don't do this for the upcoming year? My, my one isn't really security related. Uh, it is and it's not. It is do not be freaked out by the, the news reports that you see every single day, not only talking about security, but the economy and business and so on and so forth. They are so unbelievably focused at doom and gloom and stupidity that it, it boggles my mind that they actually get across any news at all. They're, they're, they're almost tabloid at this point. So if you want real information about real things, security, economy, 
whatever, do your research, talk to people that you really can respect and understand their opinion. I'm on LinkedIn, you're on LinkedIn. Find people that actually take and know about this stuff, get recommendations for them and, and do your own research. Do not be spoon fed what the big companies that the fools that are on wall street that are talking doom and gloom. There, there's a couple, and I'm not naming them specifically, but there's a couple of different financial CEOs that are on the news all the time that have prognosticated the end of the world from an economic standpoint every year that they've been a CEO and you know we're still here, right? So keep that in mind. 2024 is actually going to be a really good year. I really look forward to working with people on improving their security companies, vendors alike, and keep that in mind. Don't get rid of all your sales and marketing team because you think that there is a downtime because that's quite frankly bullshit. Take and understand that you know we got to take and continue pushing the 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 bar forward as far as security is concerned. And 2024 is a great year for us to take and move forward. There you go. I mean, I love to start it with, you know, I, I, the FUD and doom and gloom and whatever else. Like, I don't, I'm not scared about that stuff. It, I want to be aware, but I'm not afraid. And I yep. think you get so much, like you said, it's tabloid. So you just get, eventually you just get beat down and you're afraid. I mean, uh, so don't be afraid. I think. Don't be, be afraid. Yep. Yeah. Don't, don't fear the beard, right? I mean, that, that that's actually right there on the, on my um, my blog site that I said, don't fear the beard because some of us are okay, right? I mean, I promise you, we're we're here to help. And uh, again, always willing to take in, and talk with people. It doesn't matter what, what size company you are, what vendor you are, whatever. If you're looking for security information, I'm always happy to help. I'm, I'm, my, my sole goal is to try to make people better with their security. And uh, for those that listen, I would say Chris is generally one of the nicest people you could ever meet. So if you have a chance to talk to him, please do. Where are you going to be over the course of the next six months? Are you going to oh be like God. RSA? And... RSA, Identiverse, Black Hat, DEF CON. Are you going to ZT World or? Uh, I don't know if I'll be there or not. I'll be there one way or the other, attending virtually or attending in person. So one way or the other, I, I'm very, very available. I'm always around. So uh, if you see me, you can't miss the beard. It's... <laughs> It's like a beacon. So at, come come and say hi, shake my hand, and uh, we'll, we'll obviously chat. I really appreciate that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for jumping on. Uh, super glad to get you on my humble uh, con contribution to the zeitgeist, I guess is one word here. And uh, <laughs> looking forward to a great 2022 working with you. Yeah, you too. Take it easy. All right. Disclaimer, the information in this podcast episode, aka episode, is provided for general information purposes only. By listening to this episode, you understand that this is not specific technical guidance from the host. No information contained in this episode should be construed as security advice from the author, host, or guest, nor is it intended to be a substitute for security advice on any particular subject matter. No listener of this episode should act or refrain from acting on the basis of any information included in or accessible through this episode without seeking the appropriate technical or other professional advice on the particular facts and circumstances that are discussed. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All views expressed therein are those of the host and his guest and should not be considered as being endorsed by nor related to the host or the guest's employers.